Welcome to the History of California podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have a more traditional episode. We're going to begin a series looking at the genocide and massacres that happened and the broader Indian Wars, as they're called, uh, that took place over the 1850s, starting in the 1840s, 40s really, but it, mainly in the 1850s is where we're going to cover. There will be a series of episodes on this before we move on to our next topic, which is early California government. So let's get started. Today, we are going to talk in more detail about the Indian Wars. Conflicts that we have mentioned in interviews and in passing, but conflicts ultimately that deserve their own isolated episodes in order for my listeners to really understand the legacy of what transpired to indigenous people living in California. We're going to cover a series of events that systematically brought the end to many cultures and peoples in California. We're going to begin with one of the milder events, but an important one to start, which is the Mariposa War. The Mariposa War refers to a conflict that emerged between Native Americans and miners in the Mariposa County, but also in Fresno County and uh, the Yosemite area as well. Since the start of the gold rush, immigrants had come from all over the world to California, particularly in areas around the Sierra Nevada mountains and to more urban centers like San Francisco. As the population of non-native Californians grew, and the need to expand the scope of gold mining as more miners arrived, there began to be pressure to move native people off potentially lucrative lands. Particularly in Central California, native people tended to live near water sources, which were also prime locations for mining communities. And ultimately, the miners saw this as a zero-sum game. There could only be one winner, and they had unfortunately, the power, the technology, and the weapons to make that happen. To set the stage for what transpired in the Mariposa War, we're going to start by meeting one of the most famous characters from this period, James D. Savage. I encountered Savage for the first time by accident. There's a lake near Fresno called Hensley Lake, and it's a popular hiking location, particularly during the springtime when the flowers are at their peak. My partner and I climbed to the high point overlooking the lake, which, due to the drought, had a somewhat desiccated and sad appearance. At the top of one of the hills, though, there was a pillar with a gravestone at space for a man named James D. Savage, not a name at that point that I recognized. I documented it in my mind and mostly forgot about it until it came to his name again when I was researching the Indian Wars of the 40s and 50s. James D. Savage or Jim Savage, was born in Illinois in 1817. He had little education in any formal sense, but acquired a linguistic education by communicating and interacting with Native people near where he lived. After a brief stint in New York where he met his wife, he returned to Illinois as a married man. Shortly after returning to Illinois, he did mo what most of his generation would do, which is go west to chase after wealth, leaving earlier than most in 1846. He hitched a ride on a wagon train that was led by a very famous person, the Missouri Governor Lilburn Boggs. Boggs is most famous for exacting what the Mormon community has termed the extermination order, which was an order to remove Mormons from the state of Missouri due to some of their practices. This took place in 1838. 
After Boggs retired, he was nearly killed in an assassination attempt, but somehow survived the gunman's shot. He ultimately went west, likely to avoid another altercation with the Mormon community. Included in that wagon train with Boggs and Savage were a group of people who would later be known as the Donner Party. Boggs went on to serve in California government, and both him and his wife are buried in Napa County. When Savage arrived in California, he joined up with Sutter's men, missing the Bear Flag Revolt just barely, but participated in other military activities. After his service, he ventured into the Central Valley, where he created a series of trading posts along various rivers, and had the occasion of meeting and interacting with the Yokuts people. Like the native people that Savage learned the language and interacted with in Illinois, Savage quickly became enmeshed with the Yokuts, which entailed marrying a few of them, learning their language, and even going to war with them. After a costly weekend in San Francisco where Savage visited one too many gambling dens and then struck the Indian chief Tanaya, who we will come back to in a minute, that he'd been traveling with, Savage returned to the Central Valley to discover that native people had been organizing raids on white settlements there. Savage tried to persuade the native people who were organizing these raids that the mission would only result in failure due to the technological superiority of the white people in California. Most were unpersuaded, and the chief that Savage struck, Chief Tanaya, did not lend him support either. This would ultimately come to a head after it became clear that the government of California and the mining communities were not going to respect the terms of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which stipulated that Native people could retain some of their land rights. Therefore, Native people began in earnest to target and attack trading communities along the Central Valley of California. In December of 1851, Savage noticed one evening that a group of Native people who had worked for him suddenly disappeared. The sign was obvious. Something bad was about to happen. Savage rounded up a posse and rode out to find where his employees had gone off to, and discovered a large group of Native people waiting on a hilltop. At first, Savage tried to reason with them, but ultimately that was to no avail. Out of respect to who Savage was, the native people let him ride off before telling him that they had attacked his trading post along the Fresno River. Savage collected a few more to his posse and then rode to find what remained uh, at his Fresno trading post. He ultimately discovered a scene of massacre. A camp destroyed, materials either broken or taken, men covered in arrows, and livestock chased into the mountains. The governor at the time was John McDougall. McDougall had arrived in California after serving in the Mexican-American War. The son of a politician, McDougall was prepared for a political future. After attending and signing the first California Constitution, McDougall quickly became the lieutenant governor, serving under the first governor, Peter Burnett, who proved to be such an unpopular governor that he resigned in 1851, making McDougall the governor. Within a week of becoming governor, the situation with Jim Savage and the raids was dropped into McDougall's lap. McDougall chose to appoint Savage as major of what would become the Mariposa Battalion, which was put together in February of 1851. While there were certainly more capable people, in terms of military acumen, who could have been in charge of the battalion, Savage was chosen due to his expertise with Native people and his familiarity with the terrain. 
The Indian agent operating in that area named Colonel Johnston arrived at the camp of the Mariposa Battalion a few days later and issued some basic parameters for what the campaign should hope to achieve. The orders could best be summarized as subdue the rebellious tribes and document what you do and write reports. The first task, though, was to gather together the tribes and begin discussions. A group of commissioners had the native people converge on a reservation area so they could begin talks. Over the course of the month of March, various treaties were signed between native groups and representatives of the California government. Essentially, the purpose of these treaties was to designate specific land for native people to avoid further violence between miners, settlers, and native people, something that would require the state government to intervene in. Various groups, many native groups, ultimately signed these treaties. Meanwhile, two of the captains under Major Savage began movements to look for a fight. The first skirmish was with native people at Fine Gold Gulch. The result of that conflict was that many of the native people turned themselves over to their aggressors. Savage was not satisfied with the progress of removal. He petitioned the governor, government to begin attacking the native tribes who had not signed the treaties. The three tribes targeted by Savage and his men were the Chowchillas, the Nuchus, and the Osimides. They quickly rounded up native people and began the process of sending them back to the reservation area. Chief Tanaya, who we mentioned earlier, decided to engage with soldiers and commissioners, but ultimately pivoted to a retreat in the Sierra Nevadas. Savage followed him right into Yosemite Valley, where he was able to spot smoke from campfires on the valley floor. For a long time, uh, Jim Savage was credited with discovering Yosemite. Obviously, this is laughable in some ways because he was chasing people into it. You could probably say more accurately that he was the first non-indigenous person to enter the valley. But since then, we've had various diaries, journals, and primary sources emerge that suggest that there are other trappers, traders, and explorers that may have wandered into Yosemite Valley first. Nonetheless, uh, one of the doctors in the Mariposa Battalion uh, wrote this about his feelings of being in the valley when it was relatively unknown to most outsiders. Quote, None but those who have visited this wonderful valley can even imagine the feelings with which I looked upon the view that was presented. The grandeur of the scene was but softened by the haze that hung over the valley, light as a gossamer, by the clouds which partially dim the higher cliffs and mountains, end quote. Most of us that have gone to Yosemite have had similar feelings of rapture and awe just looking up. And especially if you don't know what you're anticipating wandering into that valley, it must have been quite an awesome sight. He also happens to be, this doctor that we're mentioning, uh, the one who's claimed to have named the valley Yosemite, which, for the record, is the Miwok word for those who kill. Perhaps exhausted by the pursuit or realizing its futility, the native people that were chased into Yosemite ultimately surrendered to the Mariposa Battalion. The battalion made sure that native people were returned to the valley and pushed into the spot that the government had delegated. Savage would survive just two years later, dying in 1853. The situation that ultimately led to his death were some squatters were camped along the Kings River Reservation, which is just south of where he was initially, Naturally, a conflict arose between the Native Americans, who thought they had rights to this reservation, and the squatters. Uh, ultimately, this resulted in a conflict where Native people were massacred. Savage, wanting to speak up for Native people that had rights to be in this area, called for commissioners to conduct an inquiry into what transpired. 
A council was put together, and on the way to that meeting, Savage met the leader of the squatters, a man named Walter Harvey. An argument ensued, followed by a fight, and Savage was shot in the course of the fight and ultimately died. Harvey was not convicted of a crime, having been friends with the judge prior to the trial. Some of the native people returned from the reservation back to Yosemite Valley, but there were more violent altercations with white settlers and amongst other native groups as well, which led to the death of Chief Tanaya. This is the first story among many in the decade of genocide against native people in California. Next time, we will cover a series of massacres of native people that occurred over the course of the 1850s. These stories, as brutal and as harsh and sad as they are, they're important to learn and know about. If you live here, if you live in California, you must know them.